You're listening to In Focus on the Go. This week, the condolence controversy, what the widow of one Hoosier soldier is saying. We'll also talk with Congresswoman Susan Brooks about the president's response and about the fight against opioids. Plus, are we doing enough to land Amazon here in Indianapolis? Let's get started. It's In Focus on the Go. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. It's a controversy no one had anticipated a week ago, but it's one the president, chief of staff, and some members of Congress can't seem to move past. We're talking about phone calls to families of fallen service members. President Trump facing questions about that issue after four American service members were killed overseas. And in the midst of that controversy this week, we heard from the family of a fallen soldier from Columbus, Indiana. Army Sergeant Jonathan Michael Hunter, who died in Afghanistan this summer. But this week, after the president said he had called virtually all of the families of service members who have died during his presidency, Hunter's widow told CNN that she had not heard from the president yet. Having all of the support I had was great, but not receiving the phone call, it just... I don't like that I was told that I would receive the phone call, but then I never did. Whitney Hunter says she is appreciative of the time Vice President Pence spent with her in Dover when he attended the dignified transfer of Hunter's body. This week, Congresswoman Susan Brooks spoke with our Frank Mickens about a number of issues in the news, including this back and forth over the president's phone calls to military families. Your thoughts on this controversy over how Donald Trump makes phone calls to people who have recently lost loved ones in combat. Do you have anything to say about that? Well, I think it is very important that the president reaches out to um, the family members of of those who've been killed in action and who've lost their lives serving our country. Um, I think it's incredibly um, sad that if... Uh, Now, he's indicating that he didn't say what um, one of my colleagues in Congress is saying he said. Um, But I I think it's just very important that these conversations take place. Um, I'm certain that he would never intend to offend anyone that he was calling. I'm sure they are very difficult conversations. Um, But I do think it's very important that the president make those calls. And um, I certainly, um, it's just unfortunate that this has become a political issue, and I don't think it should be. So let's talk about opioids. Uh, It was weeks ago Donald Trump announced he was going to make an emergency declaration regarding the opioid epidemic. That hadn't come. Mm-hmm. Now that we're hearing it's coming now, what do you think took so long to get to this point? Well, I certainly know that it takes a lot longer than even I would like uh, to get the federal agencies aligned uh, sometimes to work together on a strategy. So while I know he indicated he was going to declare a national emergency, what that typically means is that you've got to bring the different federal federal agencies together that have a role in this. Um, we've got to find ways to release more federal funds to put toward this emergency. And so the fact that I believe that's what he's going to formally declare next week, or he's indicated that, I think will um, mean that the federal agencies have figured out how they're going to put more federal funds to this. I think it's critically important. And I know you're aware of the 60 Minutes investigation that found that Congressman Marino had authored a bill that would have made it harder for the DEA to do its job with regard to the opioid epidemic, and now he is no longer being considered, withdrew himself from the drug czar discussion. Just your thoughts on that entire expose 
and the issue of, of legislation that's dealing with opioids that perhaps might make things harder? Well, first of all, DEA needs all the resources and tools that we can provide them. And if for some reason this legislation had what I believe is the unintended consequence of taking a tool away from DEA, then we need to fix it. Um, We're going to have a hearing next week um, where a DEA uh, deputy administrator is going to come before Congress. We will ask him if this bill that went through Congress without opposition, that went through the Senate, that was signed into law by President Obama, no one intended on this bill to take away tools from the DEA. So let's talk health care. There is a compromise in the works. Initially, the president said, I'm for a compromise. Now he's saying he's not. Your prediction, are we going to have subsidies or not? Well, I, uh, <laughs> that's a great question. And actually, the subsidies go to um, the insurance companies, not actually to the health care providers. They go to the insurance companies. And um, they have been receiving these subsidies. Um, and, but still, even with receiving these subsidies, so many health insurance companies have pulled out of the exchange market. We have a third of the counties in the country that right now only have one insurance company on the exchange. Quite frankly, your guess is as good as mine whether or not we are going to um, move legislation. Um, This has all kind of happened while I've been home this week in the district, so I haven't been with my colleagues or with leadership to learn what path forward we have. Um, But I do believe it is important to stabilize the markets, and whether or not that will happen with the subsidies being put back in our budget package or whether or not the Murray, the Alexander Murray bill is going to be brought to the Senate. I quite frankly can't predict right now what is happening. Personally, Um, do you think subsidies are necessary, that we need to have these subsidies to make sure that the lower income patients are getting the care, or is there another route to get the same care? Well, I think that is that is the big tough question. We need to make sure that people do have access to the Healthy Indiana Plan. And if the if it takes the subsidies, the challenge is, is that I think the way that the Affordable Care Act was crafted, it was flawed at the beginning. We've got to find a different way forward. All right, meantime, on the issue of health care, Senator Joe Donnelly adding his name to that compromise in the Senate. You just heard about the Alexander Murray proposal. He said, quote, I have long said that if we want to fix our health care system, we need to work together. This legislation, which would reduce costs for many Hoosiers, is the product of hard work from members on both sides of the aisle. And it's an important step, he said, in providing much needed stability to the market. Donnelly also being criticized this week by the Rokita campaign for his vote with fellow Democrats against the GOP budget plan Thursday night. Up next this Sunday in Focus, the vice president facing some new criticism this past week as another Pence puts his name in the mix for for elected office. Also ahead, Amazon. And are we doing enough to land that bid here in Indianapolis? We'll have much more coming up right after this. seen nationalism distorted into nativism. We've forgotten the dynamism that immigration has always brought to America. We've got folks who are deliberately trying to make folks angry, to demonize people who have different ideas. 
and there has been a split in America that is per- is forgetting our common humanity. Everything is a chance to score a point. And thankfully, Secretary Mattis has said the military has not been corroded by that constant combat. But that may have now changed because this recent back and forth touches on this most sacred part of public life, a commitment by men and women to offer their life for their country. All right. Some thoughts there from two former presidents and the host of Face the Nation as we bring in our panel today. Former GOP chairman Jeff Cardwell with us this morning, along with former state lawmaker Christina Hale, Joey Fox, the former executive director of the Marion County Republicans, and Jennifer Wagner, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. How do we remember that common humanity that, that we just heard about and break out of this mode where, where a lot of people are looking to score political points, even in situations like this involving the families of, of fallen soldiers. How did we get here? It's, it's a tough one. I, I, I know how we got here. How do we get out of it? Um, was that Mr. Rogers used to say, look for the helpers? And I also think um, talk more to small children. I'm trying to explain some of this stuff to my own children. They often will say to me, that doesn't make any sense. You know, Why can't we just be nice to each other? That sounds probably silly. But we get so caught up in this day-to-day, this back and forth. We were talking uh, in the podcast about social media and, and some of the damage that's done. Just find that common humanity. Find what you have you know, in common with your fellow human being instead of buying into all of this back and forth that, in part, I will say, the media is a little responsible for. And you talk about social media. Uh, many have talked about the president and social media. Some have said this is another mess of, of his own making. What, what is your response uh, to some of those claims? I, th- I think that... We need to put the focus in the situation where it belongs, regardless of where everyone else has put it. I think we have an obligation as citizens to make this about the sacrifices of men and women who have been killed in action and the Gold Star families that they left behind and to honor that sacrifice. I think we could take some of our, our partisan energies, regardless of where, you know, where our leaders wind up on this issue, uh, I think if we take some of those partisan energies and put them into uh, really respecting and really honoring that sacrifice, we'll all be we'll be all be better off. You get the sense this week. I mean, it's been such a divided uh, country uh, since the election and even before. But you get the sense things really got real in a way on this topic this week. I think so. Things are very real. But I think what we share in common, Republicans, Democrats, others. We are fatigued with the backbiting in politics. I, to, going back to a comment Jen made, talking to children, I talk to children all the time. This week I talked to the Michigan City Girls Volleyball sectional champs. A lot of politics in that room. And, you know, I said, raise your hand if you're really sick of, to death of this kind of attitude coming from the adults. All the hands went up. We have to show a better example for our youth, for young leaders, for everybody, mm-hmm. and for each other. Mm-hmm. How do we move forward from... Well, I think uh, maybe a little bit less social media might be a good start. <laughs> but, you know, I, I look back, and since I'm the one with the gray hair sitting here at the panel, I can say when I was growing up, you know, we had 30 minutes of news every day. Usually had three or four you sources. Today, you have... 24-7. I mean, in my day, I had 23 and a half hours of relief. And in and, your hand. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and today, there's no relief. And I think, uh, I think this is an issue when you're talking about uh, the people that fight for our freedom, fight for our country each and every day. This is a nonpartisan issue. And the focus does need to be back on the families. And we're, we're, we need to give honor where honor is due. We did have, uh, obviously, these four uh, soldiers uh, who were killed overseas and then also uh, the family of an Indiana soldier uh, weighing in on all of this uh, this week as well. Uh, meantime, today we are also uh, talking about uh, some of the other issues in the news, uh, talking about uh, the vice president reportedly back here in Indiana for a private family event this weekend, but also he had 
kind of some harsh write-ups in the press in recent days. Columnist uh, George Will said of the vice president uh, that no observer could cling to the hope that Pence has the inclination or capacity to restrain or educate the man who elevated him to his current post. There was also uh, this write-up in the New Yorker, a lengthy feature that the Pence team has pushed back on in terms of some of the details. The vice president sticking by the president's side. WIBC's Tony Katz spoke with the VP this past week in Washington. To be able to come to work here at the White House every day to serve as vice president of the United States to a president who's so committed to strengthening our country, to making America prosperous again, making America safe again. And, and you have faith in the president. You were uh, there. I, it, the greatest privilege of my life is to serve as vice president to President Donald Trump. All right, so talking about the vice president's reputation in Washington and here in Indiana, I, I imagine you guys have pretty different perspectives on that. I do. I feel empathy for Mike Pence. I can't imagine. I think he probably took on this role thinking after the campaign, you know, once the president got into office and, and started to learn the job a little bit more, that he would maybe change his demeanor and his temperament. That hasn't happened, and in many ways this past week has illustrated that it's probably gotten worse. I feel really bad for him because he does have to go out and defend the president, when I don't think those are Mike Pence's true colors. I think he is a man of faith and of deep conviction, and this has to be eating him up alive inside. What's the reaction uh, for Republican circles here in Indiana on how the vice president is doing his job in D.C.? Well... The vice president is doing doing his job. I can't remember which vice president it was. It says the vice president has two jobs, right? To to be be prepared and be supportive, uh, and he's doing both of those things. I mean, I can tell you, looking at the New Yorker piece, um, that you know, what was that? Thirty thousand words or some some something? Likely. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in state government under Pence uh, during the HIV outbreak in Southeast Indiana, and I mean, I can refute detail after detail of you know, some of that story. I wasn't there for a lot of a lot of the rest of what was reported. So. So, I mean, it does give rise just to some to some question, but I think the vice president's doing what he needs to do and being supported in the and meantime, being prepared. This past week, about a week ago, uh, the vice president lampooned on uh, SNL. A new experience uh, for, for a Hoosier, for sure. It's been quite a week for him. I think this has to be a wake-up call. You know, he got into this, a man who had committed not to have one-on-one -on -one working meetings with working women colleagues, and yet he has signed on to be the vice president to a man who has posed on the cover of Playboy himself and has made a number of salacious comments about women. It's got to put him in a really precarious position, and he must, as a reflective man, I imagine, be reflecting on what his role needs to be moving forward. It, it really can't stay the same as it has. And we talked about bringing more Hoosiers to Washington. He certainly has. There have been a, a number of uh, people with Indiana backgrounds uh, now serving in D.C. Indiana is well represented today in our nation's capital. I, I, you know, I see it maybe a little bit differently than some of those on the panel. I think he's uh, done a terrific job, and I think the team... I think uh, Donald Trump bringing his experience and some of his actions, judging by the actions of Donald Trump and Mike Pence, his actions as a private uh, developer and investor, uh, building 50-year empire uh, across the country and around the world, and then you've got Mike Pence with his experience on Capitol Hill and as governor. They're very different people, though. It's very different people, but that what makes them a, that's what really makes them a, a good team, and I think the public-private partnership is going to pay off for America in creating jobs. Speaking of the Pence family, the vice president's brother is now running for Congress. Greg Pence, 
launched his campaign with this YouTube video on his website. He's running in the 6th District to replace Luke Messer, the same seat uh, his brother once held in Congress, the vice president. Others in the race already include State Senator Mike Kreider and Muncie businessman Jonathan Lamb, all three Republicans looking to replace Luke Messer, who, of course, is running for the Senate. Speaking of that Senate race, while a lot of buzz has been on Messer and on Todd Rokita lately, State Rep Mike Braun is now getting a a super PAC and a lot of attention, too. Democrats now suggesting in a press release this week that Mike Braun might be the the Bannon candidate in this Senate primary. Now, in Alabama, we, we know what happened with the Bannon candidate there. He won that primary. But now, as we uh, look at a poll here from Fox News this week from Alabama, they've got Roy Moore actually tied with Doug Jones. 42-42 in the latest Fox News poll, all evened up. Uh, Mitch McConnell was asked about the Alabama race this week and Bannon's threat to run more far-right candidates. And you know who McConnell brought up? This guy, Richard Murdoch, who beat Richard Luger in the 2012 primary, but lost to Joe Donnelly. The goal here is to win elections in November. Back in 2010 and 2012, we nominated several candidates, uh, Christine O'Donnell, Sharon Angle, Todd Aiken, Richard Murdoch. Uh, They're not in the Senate. And the reason for that was that they were not able to appeal to a broader electorate in the general election. So our operating approach will be to support our incumbents and in open seats to seek to help nominate people who can actually win in November. So, uh, yeah, he, he went through that list uh, like he remembered pretty well, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, each and every one of those candidates. Uh, where do you guys see that conversation fitting into perhaps this Senate race moving forward? One of the, and I'll, I'll lose half of, half of our, our, our party here, one of the saddest <laughs> nights of my life was, 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 the night, was the night that Richard Luger lost that, lost that primary. Um, we've got to have candidates and especially right, when we're talking about in, in Indiana, we're talking about Hoosiers uh, who tend to be fairly common sense, commonsensical about, about where, where they go. We've got to have people that represent the best of our state, that are conservative, but that can appeal to a mainstream audience and actually win an election. And sure. I think that's common sense politics across the country. Democrats said Braun might be the Bannon candidate. Is that the case or is that just a talking point? I'm not sure if that's the case. I don't know if people know enough about him. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I know enough about him. Yeah. I think he could be a sleeper candidate because I think by the uh, end of the day, by next May, people really aren't going to like Luke Messer or Todd Rakita because all they are doing is beating each other up. Now, the question is, can Braun raise his profile enough to be a threat? I don't know. He could buy it. He could buy it, and he's got <laughs> he's, a lot of money. He spent some of his own yep. money already. Uh, can he? Well, the only uh, thing that has more lives than a cat is a politician. So it's a 30-day <laughs> life cycle, you know. And so I would just say that uh, there's a lot of 30-day life cycles going on between now and the election. Yeah. All right. Let's also talk this past week uh, about the, the Me Too movement uh, that has been spreading on social media. And, Christina, you had a column uh, in the Star this week about sexual assault here in Indiana, an issue that you talked a lot about during your time in the legislature. Is this a turning point in this conversation? I think it is in that people are coming out to tell their story, men and women both, girls and boys, about assault, about harassment. Um, But right here in Indiana, it breaks our heart. You know, this week, too, we had an FBI bust. So they caught 120 sex traffickers, but they also found 84 children that they were able to rescue that were being sexually trafficked, prostituted, the average age of 15, the youngest being 
three months old. Mm. Wow. This is an incredibly important, urgent problem, and we have to work on this now. Some difficult conversations on that topic this week and, uh, and on politics, uh, military families, as we mentioned. Uh, we discuss more of these issues uh, this week on our podcast, some of our behind-the-scenes conversations. You can catch that uh, podcast with our panel. Plenty of bonus content there. It's on SoundCloud. We have a link on our website and on my Twitter page as well. Coming up next to Sunday in Focus, are, are we doing enough to market Indianapolis as a potential home for Amazon? We'll dive into that question after the break. The Indianapolis area hoping to be the next home for Amazon, but are we doing enough to market our city with a lot of competition around the country? Other cities like Detroit putting out videos. The city of Tucson sent a cactus to the Amazon headquarters. Uh, the Indy Chamber put out a statement this week saying that their bid was confidential, that they feel Indianapolis is the right home. But in terms of marketing, that question's been raised this week. Are we doing enough? Well, I can tell you the silent uh, marketing that we have is our location. In real estate, as a real estate broker, it's always about location. Location, location, location. That's right. And uh, we're, we are the crossroads of America. I mean, from we've got a great uh, airport. We have great uh, inland ports here. Uh, there's no better distribution network across the U.S. than Indianapolis. And I promise you, we did not botch this bid. Our package and packaging of our case for support for the Amazon headquarters, it is top drawer, and people will be wild. For what it's worth, uh, they did not accept the cactus. From I was getting ready to say that. Why would yeah. you send something to Amazon as yeah. part of a bid? Amazon sends things to people. That, that is quickly that can yes. injure people. You're right. Yeah. 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 Right. Sense at all. Yeah. Amazon is the customer. In this case, and they've asked for a confidential process. Uh, and indeed, my understanding, Christina, correct me, we signed a non disclosure agreement did, yeah. in, in mm-hmm. talking about this. The city, Visit Indy, the chamber, um, and this is a regional thing too, which I think is important, right? All the mayors, all the you know mm-hmm. individuals sure around, around the region. Yeah. Right. I think this is going to be fantastic. Our top talent was on it, and we did well, I'm right. sure. Much more after the break. We'll have this week's winners and losers stick around. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Jennifer, you're up first. So I just have one loser this week, and it's the military Gold Star families who've been thrust into this spotlight that they definitely do not deserve to be in. Um, they are going through intense grief, and the last thing they should be worrying about is, you know, this, this political, this divisive political discourse. I'd say the loser this week is, is our civil discourse. We've got to find a way to turn the temperature down a little bit and look each other in the eye, as Jeff said, and have a conversation. Good point. My winner is George W. Bush, because that's what he did, and he gave the speech America needed to hear. Um, Losers, Indiana, we had quite a bust of children, human trafficking. We have a lot of work to do. My winner is General Kelly. He made America proud this week when he spoke from the heart uh, from the White House. All right, that'll do it this week. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, behind the scenes with you here on the In Focus podcast. It's kind of cool, guys, that we're able to take people uh, a little bit behind the scenes and expand on the conversation a little bit that we have here every Sunday. Jeff Cardwell, Christina Hale, Joey Fox, Jennifer Wagner with us on the panel this week. We were just talking about before we came in for the taping today. It's been almost a year since the 2016 election. It's hard to believe. And, Jeff, we've got you in here today. And, and Christina, you guys were both such a big part of the election last year. Can, can you believe it's been that long? It, it really, it's, it's very, uh, it's incredible to think that it's already been a year. I mean, it's, uh, we've been very busy, been a very past, um, uh, this last uh, few months has been a very uh, fast pace. And uh, really, it's, you know, I'm just, uh, every day there's something new in, in the headlines that keeps it 
going. There's been a lot to talk about. There's been a lot to talk about. <laughs> we never have a dull moment on this I show. I can tell you, Dan, it's been 345 days, 20 hours, 50 <laughs> days, and 50 seconds since polls closed in Indiana. Who's Not counting? that I'm counting. Right. Yeah. You, you had a moment, though, this past week, um, you know, talking about moving forward in time with Governor Holcomb uh, on stage together. Yeah, it was really exciting. I interviewed him on a number of topics for Leadership Indianapolis. I'm their president and right. CEO, but we like to engage important public public discourse on important issues and you know I think it really speaks well to the governor's character that he'd sit down with me his former opponent you know and talk about things like the opioid crisis and workforce development and you know we don't agree on everything but we certainly agree that it's time to collaborate and get things done how do we do more uh, of that elevating the discourse uh, right now after especially after the week we just had where you know we're talking about um, political points being scored on, on something like military families that's a, a different a different page, it seems like, in American political history. Well, I, I think that... From whatever side you're looking at. Sure. No, from whatever side you're looking at, I think we have to take some responsibility as individual citizens on this stuff. Yeah, it's very... Our, our leaders should set good examples. They should do other things. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I think we've got some responsibility as individual citizens mm-hmm. to... Uh, to lift up the, the sacrifices of our servicemen, to recognize their families, um, and to take some of the energy we, we pour into uh, our partisan warfare, which we all love to we all love to do you know, up here, but to take some of that energy and, and point it back towards the things that really. Matter. What I like about this show is that I mean we we all you know you guys come from different perspectives. Um, but we all, we all get along up right. here and have a great no, time and, doing uh, this. My answer yeah. to that question would be more Hoosiers and politics. So on the one side, we're like a, we're a really nice people, and sometimes that leads to us not being... So if someone says to you, like, oh, you're from Indiana or Indianapolis, eh, and you're like, okay, I'll take that criticism. That's the downside, that we don't have that, like, Hoosier exceptionalism that we should. The upside is that we actually listen to each other, and for the most part, we're okay having conversations where we don't all agree. I always tell people, I mean, I work on an issue that's very bipartisan, and our lunch table is sometimes a very interesting place to gather around when we're not talking about the issue of educational choice. We're talking about guns, and we're talking about faith, and we're talking about things, and we can have those conversations because we're comfortable enough to know that we're not making it personal. They're not personal attacks. And I want to learn more about where people are coming from and their deeply held beliefs and we could still go out and have a beer afterwards. And sometimes, like you said, yeah, Democrats and Republicans hang out in real life. You mentioned guns. You were telling a funny story a few minutes <laughs> oh, ago. I was saying, yeah, the last Christina. time that uh, Suzanne Crouch and I saw each other before we became opponents as lieutenant governor candidates, um, we went out shooting at the range, which was fun <laughs> until she started talking about Aaron Burr. Then I got a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Well, it's great to have you all here today. Well, um, you know, one of the comment to follow up on some of yeah. this discourse in society, I think a lot of it it's social media and I think the more That's time true. that we have together where we're looking eye to eye people and having these open conversations right. I think the better uh, and uh, I think only time will tell about the social media experience you know that we're all going through at this particular time but I think as we spend more time at the table eye to eye I think we can solve some of these problems I mean we all want to make our communities better. Yeah. That's something that I found that's really a bipartisan issue, that we all want to do something different Jeff and, and I used to serve on the Ambassadors for Children board together. We've even traveled out of the country to work on issues regarding children's health and safety. Yeah. And housing places. and hunger. Exactly. Certainly yeah. we don't yeah. agree on everything, but we can sit down and, and yeah. do good and things And we work together to change yeah. the lives mm-hmm. of, of children around the world. And uh, I think that's very important. I think we just need more and more of that one-on-one time together. Well, I also will say, though, on your in-person and going off your gun riff uh, and, and your gun range experience, I went 
uh, handgun shooting uh, for the first time last weekend. And I walked in and I had the gun in its case, like a good girl, and had my little Indiana Democratic Party tote bag. And the guy behind the counter made an assumption about me because I looked like gun range Barbie coming in with my little, you know, oh, please teach me how to shoot this. And he goes, are you sure you're in the right place? I was like, yeah, no, I am. Because he saw the Democratic Party. I said, yeah, no, I'm here. I'm here to exercise my Second Amendment rights and learn how to shoot my handgun. And uh, so in conjunction with having those face-to-face conversations is not making assumptions about right. people yeah. mm-hmm. based on what they look like or what they may be doing Absolutely. or where they live. So, but and we're you, Hoosiers and we're good at it. And good as you are a fierce woman. <laughs> yeah, no, no one would challenge that. America I'm also, needs I'm also a little more Hoosier hospitality. And she talked about kind of that Hoosier, Hoosier humility, which is a, a good and bad thing. And we are talking about that today with the Amazon bid. Right, yeah. that the, the you get. I mean, to some degree, we're you know we're honoring a non-disclosure agreement that we're not going to talk about our bid and keep our competitive advantage. But I think there is also some level of, hey, we know we're good. We don't have to go and and, and yell and scream about it, you know, yeah. from 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 the rooftops until it's time. All right, to, to go do it. More about the, on that topic on the show today as well. This is fun. Taking a little time behind the scenes on the podcast. More to come here on In Focus on the go. Did you just make that up? <laughs> we done? That's what it's called. Oh, okay. On the go? Sure. Okay. I like it. When, we'll when do we get in focus it. after hours? I'm waiting for That's in focus right. after hours in, at the martinis in fo- on the back. In focus <laughs> cocktail <laughs> hour. Yeah. 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 No, no, it's out of focus. Out of focus. Or unfocused. I'm not sure. Unfocused. Fights and politics is another suggestion. There we go. Cocktails and conversations. Isn't that Abdul's thing? There you go.